Welcome to the interview chair. My name is Jimmy Casas and I am your host. Are you an educator who is currently feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, or wondering if you can continue to do this work? Visualize yourself back in the interview chair. You are genuine, sincere, and full of passion. You convinced the group of people that you were the best person for the job and you believed it. That is the real you. Thank you for joining me as I take you back to the interview chair to remind you of why you wanted to become an educator. Welcome to episode seven of the interview chair. I want to take, take a moment this week and talk a little bit about this idea of a culture of investment versus a culture of compliance. And I want you to reflect on something just for a minute. I want you to think about your classroom or your building or your campus. And I want you to ask yourself, do you ever wonder whether your classroom or building or campus is based on a culture of compliance or a culture of investment? And the reason I ask this question is because I had an experience this week that I want to take some time to talk about today. And so I was visiting a school district when a school principal confided in me his struggles to get his staff to comply with certain things he was expecting them to do. So he goes on to tell me the story of how he's frustrated with the staff regarding their failure to stand outside their classrooms and supervise the hallways during passing time on a daily basis. Now, we've all been there, right? If we think about this, whether we're supervising playgrounds or supervising hallways or a cafeteria. The question is, how active and how invested are we truly in monitoring and actively supervising these areas? And do we sometimes complain about it or do we sometimes reluctantly even want to do it? And perhaps we kind of need to reframe that, but maybe I'll leave that discussion for a different episode. This whole idea of, well, maybe it isn't really a duty. Maybe it's an opportunity, right? An opportunity to build relationships with kids or or staff or others, right? But I digress. So let me go back. So he states to me that he's been clear and even asked nicely. And then initially his staff complied. However, he noticed over a span of a few weeks, less and less of his staff is outside their classroom doors. And eventually there's hardly anyone to be seen. So he's frustrated now, and he tells me that he puts out an email to the staff reminding everyone of his expectations and that he will be monitoring them to make sure that this is happening. Well, the next day, of course, he sees all the staff members standing outside their doors again. However, within a couple weeks, once again, the supervision by the staff begins to falter. And now he's really frustrated and it grows more intense. And finally, finally, it gets to the point where it reaches optimal level because there is an altercation between two students that takes place in a busy hallway near several classrooms. And of course, in his opinion or his experience, there wasn't supervision, right? They weren't outside their doors. And had they been out there, we could avoid the situation. Now, fortunately, no one was hurt, but this principal had had enough. So he goes on to tell me that the next day at a faculty meeting, he voices his displeasure with his staff and tells them that moving forward, he's going to be monitoring them even more closely and that any staff member who's not out in the hallway between classes is going to receive at a minimum a written warning and possibly even a letter of reprimand for repeated violations for not following directives. Now, maybe you've been witness to a part 
or of this scenario that I just shared or, or maybe even part of it, right, I should say. Principals getting frustrated with staff, teachers and bus drivers losing their cool with students. Now, admittedly, what I've learned over the course of my career after, well, honestly, managing similar situations and sometimes a similar way, is that there are ways to minimize these encounters so they don't evolve and become what I describe as a culture of compliance. Now, imagine yourself back in the interview chair for a moment. I'm guessing that if you're a bus driver, you didn't sit in the interview chair and someone asked you the question, so we have kids that are standing up and out of their seats while you're driving the bus. How would you handle that situation? I'm guessing you didn't say, well, I'd remove all the students from the bus, right? If you're a teacher and you were asked the question, well, how would you work with students who were just being very noisy that day and not settling down and they were off task? My guess is your response wasn't, well, I'd hold all the students for detention after school. And I'm also guessing that if you were applying for a principal's position and the question came, well, how would you, right, as a principal, how would you manage or respond to staff who were not actively supervising during passing time? Again, my guess is you didn't say, well, I would get on an email and voice my displeasure with everybody and then stand before them in front of a faculty meeting and threaten them with some sort of discipline if they were not in their assigned areas actively supervising. Now, look around and examine how you, and quite frankly, all of us, how are we responding to such behaviors and ask yourself, is the way we are currently responding, is it promoting a healthy culture? See, cultures of compliance are rooted in authoritative cultures where staff has learned to either do what the boss tells them to do or else. Now, ironically, these same roots begin to dig their way into classrooms and wrap themselves around teachers who then begin to behave in a similar fashion, telling kids what to do and ready to offer up detention or a written office referral for those who don't. I'm going to encourage you to begin to recalibrate your mind and begin to think in terms of investment rather than compliance. Now, what I've gleaned from my experience over many years as a building leader is that cultures of compliance are not sustainable and not healthy for the culture of any organization. Don't we want our culture to be vibrant, stimulating, and rooted in the idea that people will behave in the manner in which they behave because it comes from a place deep down in their core rather than from a mandate? Don't we want our staff to behave in ways that are healthy because inherently they believe it is the right thing to do? I mean, wouldn't our cultures be stronger if staff didn't need someone to tell them to conduct themselves in a positive and effective manner because they have too much pride and care too much not to? Now, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you that it took me years to see it differently. Finally, I learned that in order for my staff to invest in the very things I believed to be pillars of a strong culture, such as maintaining high expectations for all, and that all meant all, including holding myself to the highest standards as well. See, core principle number two of Culturize reminds me, expect excellence, to model the behaviors that I want others to emulate or repl replicate, 
to never ask staff to do what I wasn't willing to do myself. We know that what we model is what we get. John Wooden, right, even says that the greatest leadership tool we have is our own personal example. So let's go back to the interview chair just for a moment. If we are going to expect our staff to supervise the hallways to the highest of standards that we expect, then I think two things need to happen. One, we need to define what do we mean by actively supervising students. Do we want our staff to have all eyes on students looking for moments of wrongdoing? Or do we want them actively engaged and interacting with students in a genuine manner in order to foster positive relationships with all students, not just their students, but all students? Secondly, are we prepared to invest in our staff the same way we expect our staff to invest in students? Are we standing outside and engaging our staff in the hallways? Or are we actively engaging with them when they enter a faculty meeting? I believe that if given a chance to return to the interview chair tomorrow, well, you and I both, we would probably share with the committee that one way we would positively engage with staff at faculty meetings would be to stand at the entrance as faculty entered and we would greet each one of our teachers and staff members we would engage them in conversation in a genuine way. We would share a friendly hello or even a handshake. We would offer a word of encouragement or provide an empathetic ear, just like we would expect them to do with students. I believe that's how we would respond in the interview chair, because I believe that the interview chair is, well, the best version of us. There will always be times when we may have to ask, encourage, or even expect our staff to do certain things. But might our expectations have a better chance to take hold if we are also modeling the same behaviors we hope our staff will duplicate? Will our words not be more impactful and resonate more deeply if they are supported by our actions? In this way, they will be able to not only see, but to understand what it feels like when someone else invests in them, not only through our comments, but also through the genuine and active steps we take to build a relationship by giving each staff member our personal time and attention. Listen, I believe that when this is done with sincerity and is generated from our core, we are more apt to foster a culture of investment that does what it does because it is who we are rather than get others to comply because it is what we tell them to do. So I ask you, which culture would you prefer? A culture of compliance or a culture of investment? And that is the question I want you to reflect on as you enter a new week. My friends, it is time to recalibrate. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And I hope that you will join me each week as I take you back to the interview chair. Because I know this, that when you sat in that interview chair, that, my friends, was the best version of you. Be sure to check out my website at jimmycostas.com backslash the interview chair for links, resources, and show notes. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Casas underscore Jimmy. If you enjoyed today's show from the interview chair, subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast to ensure you never miss an episode.